Um, right. So I just got back from Brazil. Boy, my arms tired. Um, I was there for a month covering the election. J.R. Bolsonaro just won. He is not like Trump. He's probably closer to Duterte or some crazier thing. And from what I can tell, the big difference between him and the other candidates that really put him ahead in the polls is that he's just very vocally uh, wanting to kill all the bandits, which in Brazil <laughs> is a very realistic political strategy. You can be like, I really don't have any other political insights other than I want to kill bandits. And everyone's like, yeah, all right, let's kill bandits. So like, <laughs> I have a couple of friends who said that like the, every uncle they have in their WhatsApp was just like, I don't know much about this Bolsonaro guy. Well, like he's gonna make guns legal so that me and him can get in a car together and kill bandits. <laughs> he's so, gonna he's gonna paint fake tunnels on all the cliff faces of Brazil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just got like a big box and then it's held up with a stick, mm. and they can just go in and kill bandits. So for me, it's like the dream sequence in a Christmas story when he thinks about <laughs> getting the rifle, and then the men with the masks and the striped shirts come over the fence. And you sh- a very American reference, uh, but you got this guy got it. Um, <laughs> no, like I think ban- as I could kind of understand, bandit is sort of a general term in Brazil for like lawbreaker, mm-hmm. but like particularly ones like in like favelas and low income areas that like kind of take over a bit, and like they're just like you know bandits. I don't know why. Why are you being such a liberal about this? Kill bandits. <laughs> you no, you you say it was like that scene in that movie. I'm saying no. This is like. Bolsonaro has decided to grind his character to level 99 by just collecting bandit belts. He's just collecting hundreds and hundreds of bandit belts in the first level stage of Brazil. I think we talk a lot about like, you know, mega platforms influencing elections, but actually truly I think it's just if you uh, go on Facebook and you tell people I'm going to kill bandits. People will vote for you, and that's just the that's the lesson. That was the problem, really, with Hillary Clinton's campaign. Was <laughs> she that- was incredibly <laughs> pro bandit. <laughs> well, due to her big corporate donors, she was really unwilling to nail her colors to a mast on the bandit issue. <laughs> the problem the problem is she was deep in the pocket of Big Domino Mask. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, the Domino mask is the, that's the name of the mask yeah. the bandits wear <laughs> in, the, in 1950s crime dramas, yeah. She's the big bandit. Yeah. <laughs> and her opponent's motto was, you'll never take me alive, copper. And joining us is uh, the deputy global head of news for BuzzFeed, Ryan Broderick. Hi. Ryan. I <laughs> shot the global head of news, but I did My not My title shoot is very me. long and complicated. Yeah, it's really long. I, I change it up every time You just time call I yourself Chief Bandit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Chief Deputy Bandit. Yeah. News Bandit. Well, no, in Portuguese, they called me like something like Segundo Commando. It was like a very, very long translation. Dude, you're fucking news commando. <laughs> yeah, it was, and if, and if you translate I think it was it. Steven Seagal's newest film, Segundo Commando. I think Segundo on commando means second in command, but it sounds way cooler in Portuguese. Yeah. Or it means very white person. Yeah, no. Well, yeah. No, definitely. It's just, they just, yeah, gringo. That's <laughs> it I means find. you you are what guys like David Aronovich think they are, which is a news commando, like fighting untruth with like the power of their words. Wearing yeah, no I'm, pants. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a more beautiful version of Anderson Cooper. <laughs> you know, I have a face for TV, unlike him. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, so on on last Sunday, uh, as of the time of recording, um, far right evangelical um, fascist higher a Jair higher Jair Jair Bolsonaro was elected president of Brazil in the era of being surprised that this kind of politics is over. You Ryan have written. Mm. Now we all have to live with what we've done. Yeah, so that's, the that's it. Uh, that's the whole show. We're all <laughs> fucked. And uh, I will say, like, uh, the the argument on Twitter about, like, calling him, like, a fascist versus a populist versus far right. I'm I'm not sure. I, I, one, he hasn't started yet, right? So, like, fascism, much like love, is a verb. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, you really, you really can't be accused of it. You know, he's probably going to be pretty bad. I basically everything he said or done in his entire life seems to point in the direction that he's going to be really, really bad. Yeah. So in addition to being anti-bandit, what else? What right. else are? What else is he saying? So, so for a bit politics? of context, basically, like uh, in in the Brazilian political sphere, crime and punishment is a huge deal. Obviously, they have they a love huge, Dostoevsky. They love Dostoevsky, all of them, <laughs> and they're just like they want they want someone who's going to be like a strong man, and that's a thing. So. 
basically Bolsonaro was just very anti-bandit. Um, he's also <laughs> anti-women, anti-gay, anti the Amazon rainforest. Famous um, bandits, the yeah, Amazon yeah, rainforest. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's got Home a very moderate political position of paving a highway through the Amazon. So, you know. It's going to attract bandits. And, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's go to Costco in the middle of the Amazon. It's, it's to hunt them down, I think. Uh, you know, just to shoot people on his Amazon jungle highway. Um, and then this, just this week, uh, there's been like rumors that he might immediately try to go to war with Venezuela. So mm-hmm. you know, things are uh, things are looking pretty good over there. John Bolton, uh, U.S. National Security Advisor, has already basically said that he is very excited about attacking the like troika of of dictators. Troika of tyranny. A troika of tyranny, as as Nate has correctly pointed out, um, down in oh, South America. Oh, that's what that was. So, okay, I've been off the internet like most yeah. of the week, just resting. I saw troika <laughs> of tyranny trending or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was like, maybe it's a band. They're like, I don't know what that was. I didn't think it was real until <laughs> I actually saw a Washington Post article quoting it because, like, that's so dumb that I was like, that must be a joke. I thought that it was must yeah. be a meme, and I thought no, it was it's, a meme. it's real. Apparently, it's so. It's what Cuba. Uh, Venezuela, and there's a third country they hate, and I can't remember. Like uh, the geopolitical big timers of Cuba and Venezuela. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't remember what the third one is. is. Is is it Bolivia they hate so much, or Ecuador? I can't remember. Yeah, let me let me actually be a journalist and look it up. Wow, it's like when one boomer band from the '70s gets in a feud with another boomer band from the '70s <laughs> in 2018. It's just like wow. <laughs> Oh, Nicaragua. Nicaragua. A famous country America's had no hand in doing anything to yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. Those, those are all independently bad. <laughs> I don't really know very much about South America, to be honest with you, but I know a lot about Central America because I worked there at one point. And so, like, hearing that, I was like, oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. As a side note, before we go back to Brazil, just FYI, there was an American who literally tried to annex Nicaragua to be a slave state in the 1850s. His name was William Walker, and George W. or George H.W. Bush appointed an ambassador to El Salvador, which that whole region hates this guy and hates America for this, whose name was William Walker. And they're like, why is everybody so mad? And it's like, it's like, <laughs> new U.S. ambassador to Israel, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> that is such an American thing That's to do. Be like, dude, what? Yeah, what's your problem, dude? What the fuck? No, seriously, this guy, he was a dude from Tennessee, and he was like, slavery is good. Uh, we need more slave states. I'm gonna lead an army into Nicaragua to take over the country, which he did. And then he's like, all right, Spanish language is banned now. Everyone speaks English. And needless to say, people like weren't happy with, um, among other fucked up things that he did. Having but, a normal one. Exactly. But uh, he's the only he's the only Tennessean to be a head of state abroad. Uh, well, and, we yeah. know why there haven't been other ones. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, need, needless to say, like when Bryn, this would be like the 17th or 18th time we've done something fucked up to Nicaragua. So uh, not yeah. surprised he named it. So anyway, exactly. Troika of Tyranny. I'll hand it back to you, Riley. Well, so excitingly, the, uh, well, not excitingly really, but the, the that's what the Moscow equivalent of the oyster card is called the troika so they might be in line to get sued because i feel like that is the troika of tyranny the original <laughs> uh, so one of the one of the th- we were talking before the show one of the things you were saying is like is that one of the reasons that sort of bolsonaro was so popular is that everyone's uncle thought that they were gonna like cowboy up with him get into a sidecar and just fucking take a browning machine gun to like every poor person yeah i mean that's sort of like what happened with trump too right right where like every like you know dude who blew out his knee you know, and like lives in a small town, thinks like he'll be the Trump of his town. I think with all of these dudes like Bolsonaro, like Trump, uh, like uh, Tommy Robinson, like yeah. people just assume that the success of them would fall back on that. It's like trickle down, like trickle down friendship. You know, it's like trickle down, like masculine power. Like you mm. assume that like this strong man will make me strong too. Speaking of which, on the train here this morning, I actually sat in a train with Tommy Robinson fans because there was no space and I survived. So that officially, give makes, you a wedgie? That officially makes me a member of the Democratic Football Lads Alliance. Yeah, did you, did you sing them the special version of Hallelujah <laughs> <laughs> where none of it scans? Um, so I just wanted to, I just wanted to make it very so wait, clear. What are they doing in town today? Are, is there a thing again? It was like a Millwall game. Today. Oh, it's a game. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's a game. Ah. They're doing the football. Right. Yeah. As opposed I to democracy. I always forget that they also like football. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the thing is like Millwall games aren't really football games. They're really like there. So you go, get really pissed off and drunk and then you start, you know, you, you fight afterwards and then you go grab a kebab. And that's different from, from a, a football game how? Uh, <laughs> In the UK. Oh, that's true. That's true. I don't know, because I, I guess like when, when international people like see English football, they tend to think of like Arsenal or they tend to think of like one of the big teams of the big stadium where they play football and it will cost you anywhere between 90 to 150 pounds to get a ticket in I there. See. Whereas if Millwall, you can pay like a couple, you know, about 10, 20 quid um, and get your nose bloodied. Uh, that's afterwards. cool. That's cool. That's normal. Um, which is yeah, 
Very cool. Every report that I've seen about Brazil, every like sort of thing has, since, let's say, 2014, even before Dilma Rousseff was impeached, has basically said that like there's a lot of outrage about crime. I wasn't sure if you could like speak to that. So what I what I can say is the thing that I heard multiple times is that. So I, I've I've looked at the Brazil. So I've been to Brazil three times now, and I sort of use Brazil as like what I think um, the Western democracies will look like five years from now. I sort of think they're actually ahead on the timeline. Um, and Brazilian politics for the last like 15 years has sort of been ba- 20 years has been sort of based on this idea of a savior politician. So like populism is kind of built into their culture in a really bad way. Like the dude who was going to run from jail and if he had probably would have beaten Bolsonaro, Lula, like was their savior. And people are pissed because he was also super corrupt. But he, but he was he was also like even like a mild social Democrat, right? So uh, – the, the the other big thing about about all of this is that like Bolsonaro won one because he wants to kill bandits cool two because he wants to bulldoze the Amazon and then three the Workers Party who is like their labor but like even I think they're even more left of labor they were heavily implicated in Lava Jato which is the biggest corruption scandal in human history which is a crazy th- sentence to say the biggest corruption scandal in human history what was it right okay here's a we'll get into the episode here, notes but i want to know what it was here's my tight 5 on Chateau. <laughs> <laughs> basically what happened was uh there's a ton of nationalized oil companies in brazil and they were using a currency exchange at a gas station. Car, no, no, it was a car wash gas station. It's a combination car wash gas station. Wait, is this Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah. And they were using the currency exchange to launder several trillion dollars. Um, wow. Yeah. That's so, a lot of car washes. Yeah. And I think like 150 people have been arrested. And the impeachment movement that came after that really wasn't connected to it at all. It just sort of got hijacked. And so Gilma Rousseff, she was impeached, but it's really not clear why, <laughs> other than that she was just president when it happened. I was going to say, she because she was the PT successor to Lula, right? Right. She and was so like, it was just like, well, right. Because I mean, that, I, I, I have only seen this through Intercept headlines, so I don't pretend to be an expert, but I just remember hearing people be like, wow, they're just going to use this as an excuse to impeach her. And it, it seemed like a lot of stuff that was happening in Brazil was sort of like if the North Carolina GOP ran America, just the sheer volume of like, oh, fuck it. We're just going to take power because we can. Well, what I, I do think is really funny about PT is that like they're still so like crazy, not good at this that like they're being like we're not corrupt anymore everything's fine also lula should be legally allowed to run for president from jail okay he can't then this is real they the guy who ran instead was hadaji they put his face on one side of a little like you know face holder thing and lula's on the other and you could spin them so their faces would blur together. <laughs> and then literally <laughs> cool. all of the campaign posters were Lula like standing behind Hadash, like literally almost looking like he's pulling the strings. Like it was so clearly just like, please vote for our party, even though Brazilian no politics is face off. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so yeah, all the polling seemed to indicate that Lula would have won had he been allowed to run. Uh, hands down, basically all all of it said that he would have won. He's still beloved. But- um E- equally, the guy who the 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 judge who sort of signed um, Lula's relatively shoddy arrest warrant was immediately made a minister by Bolsonaro as yeah. well. This is if the North Carolina GOP was just like doing favors for their friends, minister or, of no, killing it's, bandits. It's like if if Rob Ford, the Toronto crack smoking mayor <laughs> who died. Uh, was running stuff because he used to just think that uh, being elected to a political position meant you now get to do corrupt stuff and he didn't think you had to hide it. It's something there's something I've been thinking about, which is like if Brazil is a environment of pure populism on both the left and the right, I think it's really interesting how quickly like everything sort of just falls apart and it, it becomes like the political machine has no spectrum anymore. So it's almost like an all you can eat buffet of just like whatever you want. And it's been really making me think a lot about like, Okay, if we are entering into a like let's say the next decade where the majority of democracies on earth have a populist leader, that means another populist will probably have to run against them, which means that we're probably looking at like an, a 10-year period where politics aren't anything. You know, it's just like whoever's the loudest craziest well, asshole on YouTube becomes president. At the same time, you can <laughs> just kill the bandits. Logan Paul 2024. There is there is there, yeah. there is a, well there's a dark and a light version of that. Just like there's Jomney Sun and the Joker. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. No, Two Jomney, yeah, yeah. Jomney Sun is the light side Joker. Um but 
what 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 we have like you could say in fact that pitting a populist against a populist if they are genuinely representing the left and right is a sort of departure from what you might call post politics where we think of politics as merely managerial and that where we're actually articulating opposed interests right so there there's there is you could say that in fact has that left populism gives people renewed hope in an improved society you know and that in that we are trying to go beyond a, a sort of dry, technocratic, liberal post-politics that's basically failed us. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we definitely saw left populism in Mexico. Also, fun, weird Central South American political fact. I didn't know this was true. Apparently, for the last, like, 15 elections, every time Mexico goes left or right, Brazil will go the opposite. Huh. And no one knows why. Well, mm. I, I kind of want to get into some of some of this article that you've written, though, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Just imagine Mexico having a very pro-bandit government right now. <laughs> we love the bandits. Well, so a- actually, sort of, yeah. Amlo's <laughs> one of his big things that he was criticized immediately for was that he said he wanted to fight the narcos with hugs. Uh, which is literally <laughs> hugs not David Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally hugs not drugs. The Hug a cartel. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you've said you've called the 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 Brazilian election sort of the first Facebook election. So people, maybe I wrote this wrong. I don't understand why people are okay. Wait, it's the it's the last of the first wave. So it's okay. like for the last four years we have Facebook elections. This is now the new normal. That's sort of what I meant. Okay, can you tell a what do you mean by a Facebook election? So uh, I've been thinking a lot about um, algorithm. Let's say algorithmic election, right? Okay. So for the first time, maybe ever in human history, we have pieces of code that are automating worldviews. And we didn't really know what that would do to populations. You know, we've, we've basically done the largest uh, social experiment of, of all time. And what we're now seeing is that if a population of people have the worldviews automated by algorithms that they can't control or regulate or see, they're going to start to do really wacky shit <laughs> um, real fast. Uh-huh. And so I would say that from 2014 to 2018, which is sort of a four-year cycle that happens all the time of just democracies going through elections, we have now been able to stop after Brazil and go – because so the next big election is India in April. And if you go from India to India, Modi to Modi, you do see a really definite pattern of just political chaos. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like people – aren't really in control of how they consume information anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's really fucking with people's brains. Yeah, that's 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 very interesting cuz this this whole uh you might say the the, cha- the transformation of media to social media had the chance to be truly democratizing, but instead it seems to have created a kind of oligarchic chaos. So I have a friend named uh, Jamie Cohen. Hey Jamie, what's going on? Um he uh does a lot of meme research uh, in like the academic field. And we were Mm -hmm. having a conversation the other day about whether or not social media is inherently fascist, which isn't too different from Steve Bannon's idea that social media is inherently futile, Mm -hmm. which is totally bonkers, but kind of smart in a weird way, like wearing two shirts for no reason. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were talking. It's cool because you don't have to change your shirt. <laughs> so what does no one else do? What, this? what we don't realize is Steve Bannon isn't wearing two shirts as a fashion choice. He's like just a homeless guy, and he's wearing all no, his shirts. No, so he, he just doesn't no, want to pay for uh, no, checking he, a bag on a plane. He, he, he's an yeah. efficient. He's an efficiency dude. Like in any other world, he'd be making YouTube videos about if you wear two shirts, if you sweat under one, you just have another. You don't have to go down to the store and buy one. You but can use that time that you save to be more productive. Two shirts for your make you sweat more. Can you like just shut up? Stepping on Shane's dreams. Sorry, sorry. Anyways, so Jamie and I were talking about Jamie. <laughs> Jamie's become very obsessed with the idea of reality television being like the alpha test to social media, and the idea that reality television is sort of inherently fascist, and like the idea that like in, like we were talking about how like Instagram is sort of like a personalized like Real Housewives of New York for you, so like. We've we've found, we've sort of let mass media evolve in a way where now it's pretty much top down, super personalized broadcasting, and we can't seem to break out of it. And I think it is scrambling people's brains. And this is why they think that Tommy Robinson's going to have a beer and you know go go beat up a, a grooming gang with them, or that Trump is going to come down to their jet ski store and say they're running a tight ship, or like Damn, both of those things will totally happen. Things, Let's be real. Both those things happened to me this week. So, yeah. <laughs> or that they're going to you know cowboy up with Bolsonaro and, yeah. and you know just ride along the Amazon highway, just 
spraying bullets. Yeah, me and Duterte are just gonna, you know, ride around in a speedboat killing drug dealers. Like it's <laughs> cool. Like, like Miami Vice. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's also, like, yeah, it's the like, Amazon highway is totally something Jeff Bezos is gonna build in the next ten years. That's it's also happen. like I mean, if you even think about the way we're talking about this right now, like it's like the Pokemonification of political leaders. Like we're literally like there's like a whole I don't think this was ever really true before up until maybe the axis of the versus the allies. Like people are now collecting po- po- political leaders. It's really weird. It's a weird thing to be like, oh yeah, Boris Johnson, Duterte, like all my boys, Erdogan, what's up? Like Putin, like it's a really weird time where we've sort of commodified populist leaders as like a, I don't know, there's sort of a perverse entertainment value in watching countries go berserk. There was this there was this snippet from that article where the uh, Brazilian sort of version of the Daily Show was like, yeah, we kept having Bolsonaro on, kept showing him to be this clown, kept trying to laugh at him in this way. And, you know, now he's now he's in charge of all the guns. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing is like and I I wrestle with this every single day, which is like, how do you deplatform fascist and far right thinkers? but also not allow them to operate completely in the dark, uh, like unvetted and unregulated mm. and un... And un- Black Ops fascism. Yeah. Well, it's because well, that's yeah, what social yeah, media you, do did for a, them. Do you want a Mercer or do you want a Tommy Robinson? But then we find out that the Mercers are probably funding all kinds of Tommy mm. Robinsons all over the world. So I don't really know even what what the difference is between... You know, it's, it's sort of an existential crisis, I think, for for journalists because it's like if you shine a light on these people, then they get more followers and fans but if you don't they're still going to make the same money from the people who are in the dark well maybe what- also george soros funds everything now, of course so, you know like no yeah. but he it's, it's fucked up the whole thing's- <laughs> he's funding a cool office with microphones at work all the time yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um Right, but we also you t- we talked about how this wasn't just a facebook election it was also a whatsapp election oh, and boy. a youtube election yeah whatsapp is scary powerful and one of the first things Bol- bolsonaro said he would do is Somehow, he didn't explain how this would happen, but he's going to try to make WhatsApp more powerful in Brazil by altering some of its key me- like me- like platform stuff. He's going to give it the spirit bomb. He's, yeah, he's literally said that he's going to go inside of the app and change it for Brazilians. But he also wants to run it like a secret police. And this is something that I think is we have to really think about, which is the idea that he has basically decided that he can have hundreds and thousands of encrypted groups just feeding people information and no one would ever know. So it's, it's like a whisper network, which is like, this is what I was talking about. The idea of like blurring left and right in a populist environment. It's like, that is straight up China playbook. That's like social credit score hijacked into what's, you know, ported into WhatsApp. The idea that uh, a, a leader like Bolsonaro's first instinct was, Oh, let's build a whisper campaign instead of WhatsApp to control people. Or, and one thing that we did, I was trying to nail this down when I was in Brazil for a story, but no one would talk about it for because they were scared. But we do – I do think that a lot of the fake news that's spreading about people on WhatsApp is actually being spread by bandits that you owe money to. So it's already happening where, like, you could be targeted on WhatsApp by someone that you owe money to. And then, you know, someone comes and burns down your house, and then the bandits come to, to you later and say, probably should have paid. And so that's already happening. So I, I would push back slightly that on the assertion that that is a, a sort of a, a populist blending of left and right. Again, I mean, I wouldn't call Ch- I would call China a sort of a, an authoritarian capitalist system oh, at this totally, point. Yeah. You know, and, and also the idea that we don't have a social credit score here that's just coded in your race or gender or, or class. Although Fitbit think, insurance is coming yeah. <laughs> and I'm very excited about that. Um, no, you're right. Yeah. And it's but it, it's it's crazy that these these guys immediately figure that social media can help them do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the question of is social media fascist? I don't know. So there was, a, if I remember correctly, in Brazil, or this is just worldwide for uh, for WhatsApp, there's a limit on how many people can be in a group, correct? Or how many messages you can send to a group, something like that? Yeah. So, okay, hold on. Uh, you can do, it's not, uh, you can be a member of infinite groups. You can make 9,999 groups yourself. It's a max of 200 people per group. and you can forward something a um, total of five or seven times simultaneously. But also Brazil has a weird thing that no other country I've been to has, which is that on Facebook, you will see on your newsfeed, share to WhatsApp. So the, 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 the apps are connected. 
Oh wow. Way more heavily. I'm just yeah. laughing because like the thing that the, the thing that WhatsApp put in place to stop your aunties from sending you like lots and lots of prayer messages on WhatsApp has now been they're like, no, this is bad because it also stops us from being allowed to send fascism. Right. Because it stops us from messaging about the bandits. Yeah. My, 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 my wife gets lots of relative WhatsApp I get, messages. I get them I was like, say, all the time. Oh, yeah. Like all these kind of really glittery, like Arabic, like Quranic verses, which all loosely translate to like either get married, otherwise you're going to die. Just that's true. Just, though. just, yeah, just that's for true. anything. You can't feed it's yourself. Like, it's like um, Arabic Jordan that, Peterson. Oh, yeah, did oh, you tell oh, them that it's oh, no oh, fat November and you can't get married right yeah, now? Yeah, this is exactly what yeah, I said. Yeah. Um, all they said, well, you're levitating. going. All they said, you're going to die anyway. So why don't? You? So it's, it's all like loosely like related around death. But the funniest thing about these WhatsApp messages is just like how they remind me of like those those gifts that you'd see on like really early social media platforms like um like Pixo and stuff you know like those really oh, yeah. weird pages where like you'd go onto the homepage and there'd be like glittery like you know images that's that's what they are really that's what WhatsApp is it's just like a Pixo page but in message form. But now it's used for spread for killing bandits and spreading rumors well, about even, gay like, conversion. WhatsApp is aunt, either used for aunties to hook up hook, hook, hook up like you know Local uh, aunties in your area yeah. <laughs> want to hook you um, up. Like, mm-hmm. to, to, to hook you up with like, you know, women back home or it's used for fascism. Well, That's really it. One cute WhatsApp thing that I, I think is like a kind of adorable is that all of the like baby boomer era, like they're not baby boomers in, in India, but like that generation would wake up every morning and WhatsApp each other good morning at such a scale that it was actually slowing down WhatsApp servers. Because every old person in India would wake up oh, and just wow. text every other old person good morning. The Indian equivalent of you up. And I thought that was like kind of a, an incredible idea. I was wondering, because you were mentioning about the, the share to WhatsApp thing from Facebook. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seemed like I had seen a lot of reporting that there was a ton of the sort of 2016 American style shitty news on Facebook being spread false or misleading news being spread on Facebook in Brazil, specifically in Brazil. And that like, I imagine that those two apps working very well together would then put you in a situation where like, it must be very easy to share bullshit news and things along those lines about politics. Yeah. Like there's tons of hoaxes and rumors, especially on WhatsApp. Facebook tried to be really proactive and they shut down like huge, huge pages, like hundreds of pages with like millions of followers before the election. But then what we found was that all those dudes just moved to WhatsApp. Uh, where it was easier to spread stuff and no one could track them. And in fact, uh, we talked about Lava, Lava Jato. A week before the second vote in October, there was a scandal that came out called, they were calling Lava Zap, short for what, WhatsApp, Lava Jato. And they discovered that marketing firms were texting thousands of people anti-leftist propaganda on WhatsApp and they had stolen or bought or somehow ascertained uh, Bolsonaro's voter database and we're basically just pumping them full of propaganda on WhatsApp. Uh, If you're not using our car wash, you're a bandit. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm actually still fantasizing about the idea of the WhatsApp secret police like bashing down your door and be like, we have intel that you are subversive. Your WhatsApp status is not, hi there, I'm using WhatsApp. (laughs) (laughs) What is the meaning of this? You you (laughs) didn't forward this to five people and you're going to die. Um, So one thing that I, I tried to address in my piece is that like what is becoming very clear is that like fake news will probably stop being a problem for rich people. Yeah. Like, because they all subscribe to Tortoise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's probably like fucking there true though, right? Yeah. It's like, no, like, yeah. like yeah. poor countries. Right, no, 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 no. You're, you're right. You're right. No, you're right. No, you're right. <laughs> the smart dudes like oh, us. Stop. You're right. Um, we get our news from the Plymouth Herald comments section. <laughs> like, like, look. That, that's the future of media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The future of media is like Tortoise <laughs> was, versus Was Plymouth Bolsonaro <laughs> getting his guys to post on the Plymouth Herald comments section? Yeah, no, the, the, the really scary future of media is like, you know, rich people reading The Economist and everyone else listening to Joe Rogan. You know, that's that's what it is, right? It's hey, like hey, you're a cool bandit. Yeah. <laughs> I, again, I the I, I see a sort of challenge there, which is if we remember these sort of elite establishment paid media were the same people that sold us the war in Iraq. They're the same people that um, sold us the sort of that austerity was a politically necessary, um, not a choice. It was politically necessary. They're even the same people who hacked phones, all this stuff. Like, oh, totally. I don't see the sort of establishment wealthy media as necessarily more trustworthy than the the fake news. It's just one is very respectable. The the I guess the best thing I could the best example I could use is sort of like the idea of a food desert. Mm. Which is like McDonald's moves into your neighborhood, 
They undercut all the local businesses. They start pumping everyone in your neighborhood full of like delicious, delicious, delicious food. But then everyone fucking gets fat. Everyone gets that fucking filet yeah. fish Yeah, everyone gets the fucking the best thing of all time. The filet fish is inherently fascist. I'm sorry. No. Uh, it's Catholic. It's what me and Daredevil eat. <laughs> so, um, the superhero were born. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fucking Matt Murdock, dude. Irish Catholic guy. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Daredevil just got fucking cracked skulls. Daredevil single handedly saving Boston from the Vietnam. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. He went uh, blind because looking at Boston was too beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he went blind because he had to look at girls from Southie for too long, dude. You me tell you. Um, no, so, yeah. like, basically, like, I'm not, I'm not arguing that we should all, you know, read Murdoch papers because that's fucking loony. But I'm thinking more along the lines of, like, corporations replacing how local communities communicate. So Facebook is essentially a McDonald's and the, like, Mom and pop shops it replaced would be like your local newspapers, like uh, DNA Info, basically. Exactly, or the yeah. Goth- or Gothamist, or you know. Yeah. And we saw on the internet, we saw a really great moment where, like, a, not so much in the UK because, like, fucking Jesus, I don't know what's wrong with this country, but blogging never happened here, really. Yeah. But there was a great moment in like the early two thousands where local blogs were like flourishing in America, and there was a a feeling that like, oh yeah, like people knew what was going on, and it's probably not an accident that it, that was dovetailing with the Occupy Wall Street movement. It was like there was a moment where like local organizing and local reporting was really strong and solid. But now we've just seen people get lazier and basically Coca-Cola-fy their information sources. I wish they <laughs> mean put it, Adam Curtis' voice. And this set the stage for the emergence of the most powerful blogger of all time, Guido Fawkes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun fact, I have never been able to talk about Adam Curtis without mixing him up with Richard Curtis, who is a very different person and the director of fucking like, Love Actually. Yeah. Richard <laughs> Curtis's films have a lot more narrative coherence than Adam Curtis. Someone, someone, someone should do a cut of Love Actually, but in an Adam Curtis yeah, style. Yeah, someone, well, Richard Curtis. Curtis just has like Kira Knightley talking to Vladimir Putin about like the information. Like, war. <laughs> no, 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 it's it's a, it's it's the silent. It's the it's a silent sort of film of the of um of the guy filming Kira Knightley's wedding, mm. just sort of like staring at her, but like with Brian Eno playing over it. Massive attack. And then just cutting. But then another wedding guest arrived. <laughs> doom, doom, at, doom. That, at that moment in a different borough of London, someone who didn't know this person but was only two degrees of separation from them in the broader social circle was doing something else. I, I love trying to recommend an Adam Curtis film to someone and be like, do you have uh, three hours of your time and access to a BBC iPlayer? I love, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be straight with everyone here. I fucking love Adam Curtis. I, I, will t- I will be also very honest. Hypernormalization gave me a panic attack that lasted almost an hour. Oh, I'm still a third of the length of that movie. <laughs> I still, I'm still having a panic attack about hypernormalization. Yeah. Now that's what I call like, value. That's my favorite Christmas film. Like you'll know. <laughs> yo, did you know hypernormalization is a Christmas film? One time, my buddy and I got really. Oh, Luke Bailey, friend of Trash Future, yeah, and I yeah. got insanely drunk, and he's like, "Have you ever heard of the movie Bitter Lake?" Which is an Adam Curtis talking about the birth of Afghanistan, and I was so like just distraught after and it was like three in the morning I'm like Luke I gotta go to bed this is just this is awful what have you, done? Wait, have you ever seen Santa goes to Bitter Lake <laughs> if, if I'm a if, if I'm in a relationship with someone how they know it's getting serious is when we watch hypernormalization together oh yeah that, that, that's me and the entire run of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood <laughs> but um, going back to your article going back to your article uh, you say the arc of history doesn't always bend toward what I think of as progress. Societies regress. The difference now is that all of this is being hosted almost entirely by a handful of corporations. And this is sort of that Coca-Cola-fying effect yeah. where we had this potential for a genuinely local um, media in sort of the the blogs like Gothamist or DNA Info that would come up. But that – it has we've been given instead this kind of fake democratic control where in fact three guys more or less administer everything we see yeah and so i'm uh, i'm 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 hosting a, a panel next week at the web summit and it's about uh children using um at home assistance and in getting ready for it, I was talking to the people that were going to be on the panel. And uh, one thing that kind of made me really nervous is the idea that algorithmic elections are the first wave, but we're getting really close to the idea of an AI generation. Kids who've grown up with Alexas and Google Homes, which are the same three people, you know, Siri, Alexa, Google Home, and... Um, Daredevil and Mark Wahlberg. Daredevil and Mark Wahlberg. Hey, I'm Mark Wahlberg. Want me to uh, fucking like buy some for you? Hey, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Listen to Spotify? 
Uh, well, want to hear, hear, hear Marky Mark and they have a funky bunch of Spotify? Hey, it's me, Mark Wahlberg, your 530 prayer alarm. Hey, 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 hey I'm your at-home assistant, Mark Wahlberg. It would Fuck be, you. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be like a 2 a.m.? Prayer, like prayer alarm. Yeah, he wait. Yeah, because he's of insane. He he's actually like slowly transitioning to being really, really woke Sharia law. Because he's just like the man gets up to pray, that he works out, he eats, he sleeps again. You know, it's all by the clock. Uh, yeah, he, he, has a, he has a wife. Um, I have no, like very fixed gender roles. Hey, hey I'm AI assistant Mark Wahlberg, and I've actually taken on a body. I'm Ultron. I'm Mark Wahlberg Ultron oh, now. Oh, dude, it's crazy. Look how jacked my robot body is. Oh my god. Oh shit! I committed another hate crime. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but basically, like. The idea that three companies more or less control the way that we see the world through our black mirror screens. Um, wow. Yeah. Do, we, do we live in society? <laughs> do, you guys re- do you guys realize that the black mirror references your phone being turned off? That's crazy. Oh, oh damn. my you guys God. You want to smoke DMT? <laughs> For the benefit of the listener, Ryan Broderick has just shredded himself. Yeah, that's, that's cool. um, this really is like now just the Joe Rogan show, yeah, right? No, I've turned Trash Future to the Joe Rogan show with my my centrist bro ideas. Um, dude, Broderick, you know it's, we, it's legal, man. It's legal. We, we spend all our time dude, sharing. Why do we need driver's license? You don't need a license to use a toaster. That's a libertarian <laughs> conference talking point. No, but dude, well, you, you just blew my mind. Fucking shit. <laughs> we spend all of our time sharing on Facebook when we could be sharing. What books we have our face in? We live in society. That was Fire in the booth, sound good. of breaking glass. It's kind of put, put, like, put, put the rap air horns in there. <laughs> You're listening to Trash Future One Extra. Like, <laughs> I was going to make a joke about like, was that really worth all that work? Do you listen to radio like ever? Wait, what no, do you mean? Have you never listened to Radio One Extra? No, is that how One Extra is? Oh man, it's just Charlie Stoff going fam, 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 fire in the booth. He's such a white man. He's such an incredibly white oh, yeah, man. But isn't and like then... the whole the whole appeal of like fire in the booth is that it's just like a white man going off, right? Like Tim well, Westwood, yeah. was, and he just Tim keeps playing exactly the sound the of breaking glass and air horns, like <laughs> explosions constantly. I've lived here for four years, and I am no closer to understanding what or who Tim Westwood is. Right. So Tim, <laughs> so, Adam Twenty Two. Yo, yeah, Twenty Two. T- yeah. Tim Westwood is British Adam Twenty Two. He's the son of like a priest. Cool. I um, am the door. The door. Uh, <laughs> I am the son Theresa of the Bishop May. of Peterborough. And Theresa I'm here May. to pimp this London black cab for a guy who used to be on Celebrity Big Brother. The, fun, the funniest like fire in the booth is like when they have a rapper who like just can't freestyle, right? Yeah. Like they're Which is really, most of them. they're really slow, or they're just like reading stuff off their phone, like you would read in a normal way. And then, like in between their Sorry, sentences, this was my shopping Tim, list. Tim West was just like, "Yeah, go off, go off." And then he puts like the sound effects on. It's like I, there are a few YouTube videos that are like that. What are some of the guys, funniest things? One of seen. these guys is going to be an MP eventually, yeah, definitely soon. Absolutely, Tim Westwood will probably be an MP. At oh some no, Tim Westwood's going to be prime minister. <laughs> Tim Westwood MP, the new app. Cool. <laughs> he'll be like leader of the Lib Dems, like Yo, during talk. the resurgence. <laughs> yeah. no, Tim Westwood is um, he's uh, what's it called the Michael Rappaport of um, of the UK Jesus yeah. Christ putting the rap into Michael Rappaport yeah, no right Michael Rappaport put the rap into Michael Rappaport himself <laughs> well you put the rap into that Michael Rappaport well, bit one of right those there. difficult things was bringing up Michael Rappaport because how do you dissociate Michael Rappaport the, the actor who's in a lot of Spike Lee movies from Michael Rappaport the guy online who can't stop fucking losing his mind at people and being and like, being like, like having, some, his, and being having his, son, his son do like a sock puppet account to back him up when people are, are dumping on him he's, he's J-Rock Rock. He's J Rock. He's real he's, life J Rock. As is Tim Westwood. They're he, all J Rock. He's a guy that, like, Prime go, Minister J Rock. He, he's the guy who goes to extreme lengths just so he can say the N word. Like, he will go He will go the distance so he does. Like, he go the distance? Has he, we should make sure we know if he has gone the distance before we make any claims like that. You guys okay. should have a libel siren. <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually, for the longest time when I wasn't living here, our libel siren was them just screaming, Nate! Nate, we libeled! Um, uh, anyway, I think that to, might be libel. We're all wearing our libel so wait, diapers, to, thankfully. To, to, to save this, yeah. uh, to answer your question, the idea that three companies could basically, you know, change the way you see the world. Right now, they're not influencing politics directly, but there's nothing in place to stop that. Well, you so how, how would that happen? Like, give me a uh, work it out for me. Well, so I, I've, I've been asked this question a few times, like conferences or like, you know, people on the street stop me. They go, Ryan, how would you moderate, you know, <laughs> algorithmic election integrity? When you're in a hipster uh, coffee shop. Yeah, when I'm in a hipster coffee <laughs> They're shop. They're just asking you to freestyle. When I'm, when I'm in Greg, when I was in Greg's this morning. Um, <laughs> hipster asked, Greg's. Yeah, hipster Greg's. Uh, so Greg was. <laughs> there aren't any good answers for that because- the EU is trying, but also every time they try, it's stupid. Like, they're meme fucking laws they're trying to pass. And th- these companies are gigantic. So, I mean, in the, in, the, in the last century, trust busting was, like, the easy way to do it, right? But trust busting hasn't really been applied in a, in a thoughtful way to tech companies. And 
with a lot of like political and economic theory of the last century, I'm terrified that it's it's these companies are beyond it. And yeah. so I don't know how you would say to something like Google or elect, you know, how, how is it possible that Google can have this much control over our lives legally? Mm-hmm. No company has gotten this far. So we're sort of in uncharted territory. Well, There's I, only one solution. AI Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> we, what, <laughs> we have to pull the rich people from their homes and eat them. <laughs> Something that has really gotten me recently was, I mean, I, I, I host another show and I got an argument. Flex, dude. Like, yeah, exactly. I'm really, really important. <laughs> I yeah. put a lot yeah, of yeah, podcasts. I have multiple, multiple podcasts. podcasts. <laughs> 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 well done. Well done. Well done. No, I, I bring it up because I've gotten a huge argument about what what is to be done about sharing disinformation and specifically sharing insane right wing disinformation? And one of the things that got me is there are people who are like, well, no, we need to like criminalize this. But I mean, I don't. What do you want? You want you want the cops to police who's sharing right wing stuff? They're like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to arrest myself. And so it's like it, it's one of these things where my argument is going after the platform. And but I I share this concern. What you're saying is that like, how do you go after a platform when, for example, like they're they're basically beyond tax law because we've created a situation where like they can avoid normal tax law. Well, so among the, other things, the, the, the closest, the closest thing I, I've come up with is like thinking, continuing the idea of like social media as junk food companies. I think that if an, if you experience an algorithm on the internet, you should have the legal right to see how it works. Like the back of a bottle of soda or a bag of crisps, like you should know what's in it. Cause like it should be unethical to consume media that you don't understand what it's doing to you. And the other thing is that I think that a we need to have a more diverse internet. But the problem is that like the smartphone is an inherently bad device. You can only use one app at a time on a smartphone. You can't use multiple windows. You can't use multiple tabs. So like we have to sort of reimagine how a phone works, which I don't know how we would do that. But I think the first step is just transparency as a way to just have kind of like the GDPR, which is super annoying, but also like incredibly validating to be tell a website like, fuck you. You yeah. can't do any of this. Leave me alone. Well, because it's because the fundament the fundamental thing about GDPR that I think makes it a progressive law. Just a quick note for listener: it's the General Data Protection Regulation. It's an EU regulation Can that you play applies. Your GDPR siren. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, what it does is it puts new obligations on organizations that hold personal data and gives data subjects new rights. That basically means like, no, you own your data and. Any company using it is using it with your permission and in a way that you can know and have rights over. It's also the reason why you can't read the Los Angeles Times in the UK or from the yeah, EU. Yeah. Because Which I like, tronc- actually. I yeah. prefer that. <laughs> just, basically, all of the Tronk newspapers refuse to comply with GDPR. And the GDPR is also an interesting one because, like, okay, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about the idea of an evil EU. Because, um, like, right now, like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of populist dudes in Europe who want to get rid of the EU or leave the EU. Which is actually the least scary, is less scary than the alternative, which is them going inside of the EU and turning it into like a fascist bloc, right? So the idea of the GDPR is putting the ownership on the person, and it's like almost like human rights style language. I think is smart because that means it can't get hijacked later. And maybe now I'm just completely traumatized from like growing up as a millennial through like the new fascism wave. But that to me is the only way to stay safe yeah. from like you know totalitarian states. Is like you have to own it. Well, like the idea in the U.S. of you being able to view a website and not share your data for like tracking is just unthinkable. I mean, there's new sites in the U.S. that like, well, you, you can't read them if you use an ad blocker. Right? They literally be like, nope, you're not allowed to. I think like CNBC is like that when you when you are trying to like read an article, like every time you go down, it's like you know, do you accept cookies? Do you accept cookies? You have to accept cookies. I have an ad blocker that replaces mm. all the ads on news websites with the sexy anime babe cell phone game. <laughs> it's like, do you want to mm. go on a quest? Well, I think the, the, yeah. other, the other thing to remember, right, is that the, the, te- the tech giants, and I mentioned this before on the show, um, is like they're, they're 15, like they're 15% of the sort of American economy uh, and 99% of their income comes from advertising, right? Yeah. So really what's ha- – is they're not spreading – they are not these sort of – they are not abetting the spread of fascism for any other reason than it generates a lot of engagement. It gets people to look at ads for a t-shirt that says you wouldn't get it. It's a Gemini trucker thing. Dude, that's – that's a good shirt. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Killing bandits is a Gemini truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, and, and what's even scarier is that like right now, fascism is very good for time on site metrics. Yeah. Because <laughs> it gets people really engaged in the platform. But this, you know, what if 
what if war is better? Like right mm. now we're basically being like led down a path that we don't know where it's going. And it seems to only be benefiting the people who just want to create a feedback loop that we're stuck in. Well, the Guys, War- all I'm saying is World War II had very high audience engagement. Well, also, <laughs> um, also, American Idiot is a pretty good album. So I That's think the Iraq War was worth it. It's all worth it. <laughs> no, hey, you know what, guys? Wake me oh, up when September yeah. ends. The Wait. Iraq War was pretty good for the Green Day's career. So um, I feel like, you know. Well, and Tommy also- Robinson version of American Idiot. Don't want to be a Muslim caliphate. You're giving Owen Benjamin free ideas now. <laughs> do I want to be told by an imam that I can't masturbate? <laughs> especially in no November. That scans too well for a Tommy Robinson song. I'm sorry. I've let him down. Immigration uncontrolled by Soros. <laughs> no, um, so the, the other thing is what we have to remember is the CNN was was like created in part to be like a, the giant media company that it is by the first Gulf War. It was, it was that was war as action movie and video game that they were able to show and they were able to get people to look at advertisements by just sort of broadcasting night vision um, wholesale slaughter of Iraqis. So like what, what would happen with like war as Fortnite? Ooh, well, like that's that's or war is Twitch. Like that's what we're looking at now. I noticed this in the 2014 Gaza war that it's very different to be a supporter of some side of some belligerent when information access is controlled. But like, there are a lot of folks who are losing their minds because, you know, you could share fucking GoPro footage of like Hamas guys killing Israeli, you know, Israeli soldiers at a checkpoint or something like that. And Americans haven't really had to deal with that yet. But no. like, if, 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 if we were in a war with like people that were savvy on this stuff, like what are the propaganda effects? What are the, the morale effects, both like in terms of lessening people's support for a conflict or also making them a hell of a lot more bloodthirsty when the, when the enemy can be like, oh, here's your hometown boys getting fucking killed on Facebook. I mean, we saw this with, uh, before I was covering this stuff, before the election wave, I was doing ISIS stuff and it was in Europe and it, it's the same thing, you know, and it just, as technology gets more sophisticated, more intimate, more personalized, um, the videos are just going to be way more cool to stream with your bros, you know? Mm. Like, at, at what point are you going to be able to cheer your favorite soldier 500 bits? I mean, at, at what point can mm. you... Wasn't no, there like no, a Jared no, no. Butler film that was like that? Uh, yeah, it's called Gamer and it rules. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's, it, it fucking rules. Uh, Gerard Butler is a convict that gets put in a massive multiplayer RPG, but it's real life. And then uh, like a teenager like controls his body. And then at one point he, uh, I think, dr- drinks his own piss or something. It's sick. It's a great movie. <laughs> what, Terry Crews is in it. So it's basically really <laughs> yeah. dark Ender's game. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah, or we should watch it. Yes, gamer we should watch rule. it. Gamer rules. Um, dude, gamer don't rules. Knock gamer. Dude, do not not gamer. Dude, gamer uh, rules. What are you back from Portugal? You want to watch Gamer for dude, a bonus wanna, episode? Do want, dude, after no fact, do you want to watch Gamer and jerk off? <laughs> Do you want to have like a classic Beatles jerk? Dude, do you want to drink fucking platinum Monster Energy drink and watch Gamer jerk off? It's not, we'll it's not we'll gay get, if you're drinking we'll your own piss. We'll get some Mountain Dew. We'll get some Mountain Dew in. It'll be fun. Well, It'll I like the idea because I, I, I'm sure there's a plot point involved with him drinking his own piss, but I like the idea that you just are controlled by a shitty teenager. He's like, I'm going to make this guy fucking take his clothes yeah, off. <laughs> so the twist is that he gets in control of like that universe's version of Ninja. So he's like being controlled by like the most talented gamer. But it turns out the gamer is and. Uh, is PewDiePie. Tur- turns, tur- tur- <laughs> Stop making wait, me say the end one. <laughs> turns out the gamer is the one that's being played. Whoa. Damn. What? what? Dude, was this Black Mirror? <laughs> Dude, your cell phone, when it's not on, it has a screen that's black and it looks like a mirror to your own face. We live so, in a fucking society, I, bro. Didn't, I didn't realize that. That's this. why I'm so horrified by yeah, it. But, uh, just the, the, there's, there's, there's this... This whole thing has made me think of Walter Benjamin, as most things do. Um, and Walter Benjamin, if you haven't listened to Breaking Bad Guy, Commie Book Clubs, uh, <laughs> was one of the sort of early Frankfurt School theorists who was trying to understand why the German working class didn't develop a left class consciousness always, and there was no I revolution there. Walter Benjamin was like a SoundCloud rapper. No, yeah. that's Lil Benjamin. Yeah, I, also, I also feel crucially, if your name is Walter, you have to pronounce your surname Benjamin. You can't go Walter and then like Benjamin. You'd have to be like Walthor or something. Like you can't, you know. Walthor. Yeah, Walthor. 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 Riley just can't. Walberg, Riley realizes that the perfect apex of being pretentious is saying Walter Benjamin and not Walter Benjamin because it's just a little too much there. Like that Walberg just gets you Benjamin. when you try, when you try it's to say Walter it. Benjamin. Anyway, here's what he said. He said, uh, the growing proletarianization of modern man 
and the increasing formation of, ma- of masses are two aspects of the same process. Fascism attempts to organize the newly created proletarian masses without affecting the property structure which the masses strive to eliminate. Fascism sees its salvation in giving these masses not their right, but instead a chance to express themselves. The masses have a right to change property relations. Fascism seeks to give them an expression while preserving property. The logical result of fascism is the introduction of aesthetics to political life. Like vaporwave. <laughs> but you know, this is this is what I see when I read when I read your article when I look at these sort of sharing when we re radicalize one another through constant sort of propagandistic disinformation is we're not the real danger of this it's real sort of it's the threat it poses is not one of being wrong factually but of it being fascist self expression it's not that they really believe that Bolsonaro is. Uh, or sorry, that uh, Hadash is going to be distributing gay conversion kits to schools. Right. They might do that, but it's incidental if they really believe that. What it do- what they're expressing is a kind of hatred and contempt of people they think are impure and degenerate. I love the idea of a gay conversion kit. Like, you're going to need certain supplies. Look, we've been out here converting homosexuals for a while, and what I can tell you is you're going to need to start with the rudiments. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be going out this half-cocked. Can we, can we get a little detail on the gay conversion kit story? Because I really want to know about this meme. Yeah, it's it's sort of a misunderstanding. There's just, like, a book. I, if I remember correctly, it's, like, a book that they have for elementary school kids that just, like, teaches them that, like, gay people exist. And photos of it just, like, spun out of control, and it became, like, a whole meme about the idea that it was, like gonna like make you really want to clean up a lower class income neighborhood and like go to brunch. Yeah. It was going to be, uh, it was going to be a uh, queer eye for all of Brazil. Yeah. They thought that it would just like, you know, Everyone was going to be Jonathan Van Ness. Oh, wait. Yeah. I love the idea that in a country where you can't walk down the street without getting hit in the face by an ass video, like people are like, oh, but this book's going to make people gay. Like, no, what but the it, fuck? But that's what but it you know is. Who also have asses? Men. It, it's gay. It, <laughs> but it oh, is sure. shit. <laughs> but it fuck, is. I didn't know shit. I was gay this whole time. <laughs> it is ultimately a form of self expression. It's like drawing um, some homophobic graffiti on a wall. Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, it's. Basically. It's like stan culture. I mean, it's like K-pop fans. It's like Ariana Grande fans, it, Bolsonaro fans. Fascism works the same way. You want to like express yourself on the street. You you know you you go attack somebody because like your guy says you should on Facebook Live. Like it's people people want to be part of it. And yeah, it's, it's like that. It's, it's, it's in, like in, that other it's in group singling. It's like, it's like the other movie, the one with um, James Franco's brother and Machine Gun Kelly. I don't know that. Right. I didn't no, it's like it's a, re- it's a really bad movie. It's, it's a really bad movie because it stars Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> um, uh, and it's, it sounds like he should be like one of those crazy World War II soldiers. It's basically yeah. that. It's like it's Facebook live feeds and you have people who basically do all these like really weird and like dangerous tasks. Oh, the and Dave every time, Franco and, movie. And every yeah, time yeah, yeah, they yeah, do yeah. it, they get paid. And for some reason, Machine, Machine Gun, Gun Kelly's, Kelly's in, in there. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his purpose is. I, but the film is really bad. Um, it's like it's definitely one of those it's one of those really weird cyberpunk movies that like still imagine this kind of liberal utopia even in like, the most dysto- dystopic situations when in reality like if you had a system like that everyone would just be being racist yeah um, <laughs> because that's where I think the internet like any sort of like strand of the internet heads to like it just heads to racism but I also like this idea that like Jair Bolsonaro's fans are basically like a darker version of the beehive that like if you if you post Beyonce is overrated like you'll just get get stormed by people and similarly if you say Jair Bolsonaro completely overrated like a bunch of dudes who are somehow really good at speaking English but all have Brazilian flags are just gonna be in their thing just like telling you to go fuck yourself we don't want Venezuela etc the same thing happens you heard about the Bolovo thing right oh, I don't know oh this is good so the Bolsominions are what they're called oh, and fuck. they they run there's bots that run on Twitter all day and are they minions well, there's photoshops of Bolsonaro as a minion. If you're looking for cover art. Of Wait, so he's, he's not even like the mastermind. He is one of the minions. Yeah, no, he is his own, he is his own Bolsonaro. So the people use nicknames for, for Bolsonaro to get away from the bots. So like Bolsa, Bolsar, but they, they keep changing his name. But the bots have basically decided to only track people using B-O-L. Bolovo is a Brazilian version of a scotch egg. 
And the largest newspaper in the country, like the day before the election, tweeted like the best Bolovos in Sao Paulo. And it was just completely astroturfed by Bolsa minions attacking this article about scotch eggs. It wow. was fantastic. And that's what that's the thing. That's the future of politics at this point. <laughs> getting mad about scotch is eggs. Is getting mad about scotch <laughs> eggs because you are whipped into such a frenzy by the con- by constant by disinformation that you're getting from everyone you've ever met yeah. uh, in the form of minions. And the scary thing is that like it's fun yeah it's like fantasy football it's fun fantasy it's, football racism be, oh I'm sorry, I'm sorry it's unlike fantasy football because it's fun oh yes <laughs> yeah wait hang on a second guys i'm just gonna tweet that i've never seen a scotch egg kill a bandit and see what happens yeah, see what, <laughs> i mean i just say this because i noticed this with soldiers that like i, I served with and i got out of the military and we stayed friends on facebook and that about 2013 2014 it started to get darker and weirder but there did seem to be like a fun aspect to it it was just like haha owning the sjw's but it was like getting darker and more racist and more anti-islam and stuff like that and it's just i, I in a way i didn't realize it's, it's naive to assume like oh well, that's not gonna be weaponized for politics obviously it has been but it seems like the the gutters are off or whatever the, the bound, like there's much more, the barriers. the barriers are off in, in places like Brazil. It's, it's like more shit that you can get away with or like in the same way that I remember this is dumb, but I remember people saying like, Oh, remember when, when Benjamin Netanyahu was like sending out robocalls about like the Muslim Obama is calling all the Arabs, telling them to vote. Like people are like, wow, you could never do that in America. That's too racist. And I was like, Oh really? It's like, actually it turns out you can like, what are we going to see in America? Like more of this sort of dystopic shit. Well, the, the fun game and by fun, I mean deeply depressing game. I was playing at bars in Brazil with people who would really, really feel bad about talking to me in the first place after I did this was I would say like, you know, name a thing that is bad about Brazil and I can definitely point you to that same thing happening in America or the UK, particularly America though. Cause like there are places where you cannot drink the water. Like most of Michigan, <laughs> there are places where like it is basically constant gun violence and like militarized police. Most of Chicago, there are places where we have porn stars and reality TV show hosts like running for office and winning. We have, Super hyperpartisan fake news. We have, um, we have an immigration crisis that we're basically responding to with the military. Like the idea that America is like first in the world. We have, we have walled off suburbs of rich people living with helipads, and you can't go in there because they're they have walls and barbed wire, so homeless people can't get in. The idea that America is some sort of like you know uh, what is a beacon on a hill. Still, like we have more in common with a place like Brazil than than we don't. Damn, Aaron Sorkin was right. That was, yeah. I think, <laughs> oh man, the newsroom is the best show though. Like it's so good. Like I know it's bad, but it's like fucking crack to me because it's like as a journalist, you're just like, yes, that is not how journalism works, even in the slightest way. But that is badass. I just remember seeing what effectively amounted to like a, a graph showing the level of poverty in in Brazil, vice like its different like strata of economic classes, and that and comparing this to the United States, basically what they were saying was the rich in America and the rich in Brazil live at about the same standard, but the poorest in Brazil live at a standard that's probably more in line with like the absolute developing world. Yes. And it's like, the thing about it is, is that people say, oh, well, America's not that bad. It's like, yes, but in 20 years at the continued rate of unequal growth, who's to say it won't be? Like I'm from Massachusetts, which is like one of the opioid crisis epicenters. And like, um, I was, so my meme researcher friend, hey, Jamie, we, we both were talking in our conversation yesterday and we agreed that, the best piece I've ever read about all of this was around the election in America, and it was by David Wong for Cracked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that as well. It's it's a breathtaking yes. piece, and I went back and I read it yesterday, and I was like, this dude figured it out. And he paints this picture where it's like, you know, you graduate from high school, and you take out a bunch of student loans, and you go to a nearby college, and you don't really do anything good there. But you also, like, probably have a sports-related injury, and you get addicted to painkillers. And then you like get a shitty underpaid job and then you, your shitty underpaid job either lays you off or like gives you less hours and you get more addicted to oxycodone or whatever it is. And then a man on TV says, we can blame all of this on black people. And you're like, I already wanted to be racist and now I can feel better about being racist because also I'm incredibly ashamed of the fact that I am like definitely a drug addict at this point. I am super miserable. I, you know, I'm I'm in debt from a college I didn't need to go to or want to go to in the first place. And so, yeah, I, I can't remember the name of the piece, but I recommend it to anyone who's yep. interested in this. We'll stuff. put it in the in the description. But so I guess what we're saying is read cracked dot com in the in the in the future. That's that's the solution. That's the media now. Yeah. But in in the future, um, Amer- American elections are more and more going to be decided on the basis of who is going to make the best minion killing bandit memes. Yeah. who I think like. If if politics does become all minions, like that's good. 
Minions are great and they're super hot. <laughs> anyway, I think Brazil's is going to be minions with huge asses. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Minions versus Sorodabunda, but just be. with. I don't know if you've seen the Sorodabunda videos. It's a Brazilian thing where it's like they do a video where a girl hits you in the face with it, with her ass, and like it's painful. Like it looks really uncomfortable. I thought that was Jamaica. No, it was, they do it in Brazil oh, I think too. Of daggering. Yeah, daggering. Oh. Yeah, daggering is another good one. It's like imagine then, that, but a minion's big yellow ass just pummeling you. And while it's going, and then after the end, you find out it was a dude minion the whole time. Anyway, it's a good thing this political process hasn't, you know, determined what's going to happen to, like, the largest carbon sink in the entire world. That's that's great. Yeah, yeah. it'll be good. I've got a carbon sink. It's lighter and stronger than my regular sink. I mean, in good news, like... My pussy is a carbon sink. In good news, like, Mike Cernovich's <laughs> movie comes out soon. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> hey, do you guys, think that, cool. do you guys yeah. think that if we all rip-started a bunch of diesel generators, we could get 12 years left of civilization down to nine? No, I'm, I, so I'm actually hoping that climate change happens quick enough that none of this matters and we all just die. That would be fun. Wait, I is Mike Sanovich's movie The Triumph of the Will, but it's about a guy called Will who finally gets laid? <laughs> <laughs> That's the true gorilla mindset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we've been going for a bit. I think it's time to, uh, to wrap this shit up. Uh, Ryan, thank you again for coming on. It was a, a real depressing pleasure. Please edit this with as many sirens and air horns as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Will do. Every time I say oh, something yeah. really depressing, just be like... <laughs> and as always, we have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. Debate uh, me tear, debate yeah. me tear, debate we me have tear. A, if, you want, if you want to have a very irrational argument with Hussein about uh, what kind of manga the spectator is, <laughs> then you have to sign up for the debate me tier and the payment has to go through. Um, and you also have to send a picture of your feet. Yeah, you have to, to send a picture account. of your feet. It's a slice of life, right? Yeah. 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 Um, also, you can, <laughs> come you, on, you can commodify <laughs> your descent with a t-shirt from Lil Comrade. Maybe you can get a Bolsonaro dressed as a minion. On, on one of the t-shirts. I'll, maybe- I'll draw it myself for you. <laughs> Tom- Edie will not do Edie that. Edie will That's- probably not do that, but maybe you can. And finally, thanks as ever to Ginseng for the use of our song. Here we go. You can find it on Spotify. It's extraordinarily good, and I strongly recommend it. Also, thanks to everyone who came to our live show yes, last thank week. You all guys. That was great. Well, was we fun. had a lot of fun. Thank fun. you especially to Guy Household. Yes. Yeah. Huge, <laughs> huge props to Guy Household, who became much more of a linchpin of the show than he was expecting. Uh, also, I'm running a comedy night on the on the seventh of November, which is this coming. I don't know if this episode will be out by then. Yeah, it will. It will be. Yeah, it's on Wednesday, the seventh of November at eight p.m. at the Secford, which is at thirty four Secford Street in Farringdon. Please do come. We've got a great lineup of Ben Pope, Archie Henderson, Zoe Tomlin, and Huge Davies. It's going to be great. Oh, and Bro. I want to thank Daredevil for making me feel okay to be Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>